Welcome to the Sermon Archive for the Downtown Community of First United Methodist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. We gather as a community each Sunday morning for worship at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in our historic sanctuary. We pray you experience God's grace as you listen to this sermon. Well, if it hasn't been obvious already, and I hope it has been obvious for all the time, we love kids around here. If you came up the front steps, if you've not been out the front steps and look at the banners, and the banners say something like this, children are not only our future, they are our very real present. And we mean that. It's not lip service. And uh, one of the great joys in my life is to see our kids come into leadership and, and stand next to me and say the Apostles' Creed without looking at it, which I normally have to look at the page. I mean, they're already there. And those sorts of things will last a lifetime. Those sorts of things will last a lifetime. We owe a great thanks and debt of gratitude to Barry Prince for all that she has done. There are very few people in this world that are as pastoral as she is. And she has continually just shown us what it looks like to give herself to all of us. Uh, and now she's giving herself to the families and the children. And, and I would appreciate if you would thank her, not only with your words. Do you know what would be a great thanks to her? Is to tell her you'd like to volunteer in children's worship. <laughs> or to do something else. You see, you can't continue to have growing programs and growing ministries without just a whole group of folks who are willing to pitch in. And I would love for you to do that and to show gratitude that way. You know, the Book of Common Prayer says, may we show gratitude by our lips and our lives. And I would just encourage you this day. That's a, that was free for coming today. And she has no idea that I just said that, but I know that she would love that. Absolutely love that. Brock is in Atlanta at, is it Candler or Emory? I can, can't, Huh? See, it's either Candler or Emory. It's uh, their homecoming. They were playing Sisters of the Poor. I think that's right in football. No, 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 no. There's an alumni choir, and he's part of that. So we're excited for him. Nowhere near as good as this choir, but, you know, it'll be okay. Or, or you all as well. And Dr. Benningfield, thank you for leading us today. Thank you, thank you. Um, you have probably heard at some point it said, Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Is that biblical? <laughs> is, is that truly biblical? Who, who am I to judge? It sounds sort of hands off. Like, oh, I don't want to wade into it. Almost at times, it, it can be almost a cop out. Ah, who am I to judge? Actually, it is biblical. <laughs> As... Ellie just read for us, do not judge, Jesus says, right here in Sermon on the Mount. And part of the sermon is he's beginning to wrap up and move into the end of the sermon. And you know, the starts to begin to tell us the, the things that we, he wants to take away. He wants us to take away. Do not judge. And he goes on to tell us why, so that you may not be judged. Seems sort of selfish in a way. But I think it continues down the path of blessed are the merciful, he said in Matthew 5, 7, for they will receive mercy. So one of the reasons that we don't judge is because we don't want to be judged in the way that we judge. Have you ever been harshly judged by someone only to know that what they're doing 
Well, it doesn't square either. We have to be careful in terms of our judging. And so Jesus says, just do not judge. And you're not going to be judged in that way either. But it goes on beyond that. It's not just that we're sort of selfishly not wanting to be judged. Jesus says, it's not your role to judge. It's not your role to judge. And in matter of fact, it's not even his role. John 8 says this in verse 15. I've got too many things I need to tell you today. I've got too many markers in my Bible. John 8, 15 says this. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. That's what Jesus says. I judge no one. Yet if I do judge, my judgment is valid for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying it's not my role to judge. Even though I could, it's the Father in heaven. In John 3.16, it's that passage of scripture that we memorize, but John 3.17 holds the key to this. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And sometimes we're like, check, got that. Verse 17 is the good news. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We're not to judge because it is not our job. We cannot determine someone's motives in their heart we cannot determine someone's final destination. Only God the Father can do that. Isn't that a relief? <laughs> Isn't that a relief? Can't we sleep better at night knowing that is not on our shoulders? We don't judge because we don't want to be judged. We don't judge because it's not our role. And then Jesus says, we are incapable of judging. Let's just face it. He says, we've got logs in our eye that are so great, there's no way that we could get a speck out of someone else's eyes. I was watching uh, the Orioles and the Yankees. Y'all thought I was talking about birds. No, 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 it was baseball. Uh, one Saturday afternoon, because my team loses every week, I'm done watching them play football. Um, so I'm watching on the baseball side, and the Orioles are playing the Yankees. And the Yankees catcher, and I'm not making this up, got something in his eye. And so he's taking off his mask and they're calling time out and he's trying to get it out and it's uncomfortable even watching him trying to, to deal with it. And the batter turns to him and they were friends evidently and the batter is going to help him out. And literally the batter takes a thumb that has a batting glove on it and pine tar and heaven knows what else is on that thumb and he sticks it in his eye and starts rubbing it and I'm like you are doing no good dude at all you are just hurting things and I thought oh, that'll work perfect for the sermon today so I had to remember it <laughs> even our best intentions even our best intentions we've got to be really careful because there's things in our own life that prevents us from really helping others and that's what Jesus was saying, that we've got things in our own life that we need to deal with and to acknowledge and in great humility before we could ever help someone else out. And so he just says a blanket statement, do not judge. End of conversation, wrapped up 
and a bow. Y'all have a good breakfast. That seems to be not right, though. Does it? Jesus says he's about grace and truth. Where is the truth? If we're just supposed to be, well, y'all just do what you want. We don't care. We, you know, it, it, who am I to judge? Just do whatever you want. I mean, what is the role of the church if it's not to at least at some point say, this is truth, this is right, and this is destructive? Don't we have some part to play in all of humanity, in all of society? Doesn't our world desperately need to know that a few things are just not good for us? The answer is yes. Yes, because we need to know that there's things not good for us. We would never let one of these kids play on High Street in the traffic, would we? No, that's just not good for them. We would never put them in the oven and turn it on, you know? I mean, it's just not good for them. There's certain things that we would just say, this is wrong. And somehow the church, we've just taken a step back like, hey, y'all do whatever you want to do. We're just about love around here. And last time I checked, love was not only about grace, but about truth. But there are things that just are not helpful. There's ways of living that are not helpful. Should we debate if murdering someone is good or bad? No. Being faithful in our marriage? Should we debate if that's good or bad? No. Stealing? Lying? Cheating? You, You could go down the list. There's a whole group of things that we would say absolutely that's wrong and we would never say oh who am I to judge you just take all the money that you want from me we wouldn't do that and so we've got to figure out some way of living into this world acknowledging that there are ways that are best that God has put before us and acknowledging that there's truth And it's not just, hey, do whatever you want. It's all going to be good. Frank Bruner, and I put this in your notes. We are asked to surrender the judgment of condemnation. Absolutely. But we are not asked to surrender the judgment of discernment. Verse 6 gets at what the key is here. Jesus says, after he says, do not judge, he also says, do not give what is holy to the dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. That can be a really disconcerting couple of sentences there, or clauses. What Jesus is saying is that, no, don't judge, but judge a little. Don't condemn, but, but be discerning. In other places, he says, being wise as serpents, innocent as doves. That's how we are to live. So how can we be discerning without being judgmental? How can we be a people who are for truth and love in a way that helps people find the path that God has to eternal life and abundance and not destruction? And how can we as people 
help those around us, our loved ones who have gotten off the path that Jesus has. You have anybody in your life that has just gotten off the path that Jesus has laid out and you know the decisions that they're making are destructive? That you, that you know that the trajectory that they're on, it's gonna end up in heartache. It's not gonna end up in a place that is gonna be full of peace and joy. Anybody else have people in your life? And what do we do? Don't you feel helpless and maybe even hopeless about it? I don't think we have to. And I don't think we are. There is a way for us to be discerning without being judgmental. Some of my favorite people in life, and I'm not just saying this because some of them are here, but are attorneys. I just love attorneys. They are great people and they have a great service in our, um, in our society. And sometimes they get a bad rap for a lot of reasons, but not in my heart. I love attorneys. I love attorneys because I think they do a couple things for us. They show us what it looks like to be discerning people and not to be judgmental. You see, attorneys know they are not the jury and they're not the judge, right? Those, now I'm, I'm gonna walk on thin line because there are attorneys in here. So if I get something wrong, you tell me after the service, so I can change it to second. You're officers of the court. You're not the judge, nor are you the jury. They know that, but they're officers of the court, which means they have certain privileges, rights, authorities. They're a part of the system, but they know they're not the judge nor the jury. We're the same way. I wonder if we begin to look at ourselves that way as officers of the heavenly court who have been given privileges, responsibilities, and authority. And one of the great authorities that we have been given is that what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what we forgive on earth will be forgiven in heaven. Those people in your life that you so would like to make better decisions and you feel helpless, here's the first thing that you do. You pray for them and ask God's forgiveness upon them. And you keep doing that. It's biblical. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven as the church. What we forgive here is forgiven there. Isn't that what Moses shows us, what an intercessor is about? Lord, forgive them. Don't wipe them out. Give them another chance, and he does. That's the first thing. Attorneys also know that it takes some preparation to get to be officers of the court. It doesn't just happen. You go to law school, last I checked. You take a bar exam, and then you practice the whole law school things that eliminated me you know I thought it would be a great thing to be an attorney for a while and then I looked at my GPA in undergrad and then I looked at the LSAT and I'm like I'm gonna do something else yeah yeah it would fit me better but there's preparation and there's practice and you have to build up some experience you want to be helpful to the people in your life that have wandered off the path Be an apprentice of Jesus. Take it seriously. Practice your faith. 
Enter into seasons of preparation that grows your knowledge of the law and the prophets and the grace and the truth. Be participants in ways that can prepare you and make you ready. For the day will come at some point that they'll reach out to you and you want to be ready on that day. Third thing I know about attorneys is they can't just show up at your door and start offering advice. I guess they could, but you'd probably slam the door. They're hired. You go to them and you invite them to begin to work on your behalf. And here's the really difficult part. We too have to be invited into those spaces. There is nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do to change someone ever until they are ready to do some work. And until then, we have to remain patient and we have to prepare and we have to keep praying and not losing heart. And that's tough because we see what's going on and we want it fixed. And yet until they're ready to extend an arm, a hand, a heart and say, help, advocate for me, help me guide and direct, be there for me, there's nothing that we can do except be a continual presence that says we're here, that we haven't forgotten you and we continue to love you. God is at work and that's the great faith that we must have. God is at work in the life of your loved one, of your friend who's walked off the path. God's not given up and so we should not give up. It's the same way with our society too. I think the church too often throws up his hands as what can we do? And we forget that our God works outside these walls and our God is not scared of getting a little messy. Don't judge, but surely don't give up discernment either. The world needs to know there is right and good and loving and it also needs to know there's paths that lead to chaos and destruction and if we aren't willing to get in the middle of that we're not doing our job that's what we're here for I believe that we can do it in a spirit that is loving and winsome I believe that we can hold each other in perseverance and patience until that day that those would be ready to hear and we can walk with them then. This morning you are waiting for a loved one to extend a hand that says, I'm ready. Let me assure you that God is ready too. God's not about to give up. And in this waiting period, do not lose heart. Find a group of people who can support you pray for you that can continue to carry you so that the day comes when that phone call comes when that text comes and says this isn't working can you help me you'll be ready you'll be ready gracious and most holy lord we want to be prepared
as your people for all good things. Lord, in the midst of this service of worship, we lift to you those that you have placed on our heart, not in a judgmental way, but in a way of discernment. Lord, we know that your ways lead to beautiful peace. They lead to joy. They lead to a fulfillment and contentment. Help us to remain strong in your ways. Help us to remain uh, soft and not hard-hearted. Help us to remain as a people of discernment and to give up the judgment. You're much better at it. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For notes, additional content, or more information about this episode, please go to downtown.1stumc.org and click on Podcast under the Connect tab. If you are in the area, we would love for you to join us in person for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11. We are located at 200 West High Street, Lexington, Kentucky, 40507.